0: Hello and welcome to When's Half Term with me, Craig Cunningham. This is the podcast for all of you outstanding teachers out there who are quite frankly feeling the fatigue and needing that holiday tomorrow and not in three weeks' time. So, wherever you are, put the kettle on, kit back and relax, put down that marking or that lesson plan, and for the next hour, join me as we talk organisation on episode one of When's Half Term. And I'm so thrilled that you decided to tune in to this podcast. My name's Craig and I am an assistant head teacher in a pupil referral unit. I'm an advocate for inclusion, digital literacy and e-safety and I am a self-proclaimed stressed out teacher. I have my moments where I'm in the classroom or I'm in a meeting or I'm writing policy documents and I'm thinking to myself, I need a break, I need it now. <laughs> so i I wanted to make this podcast for any teacher out there that looks up to the heavens and thinks to themselves, how many more days before I can get into bed and stay there until the end of the holiday? This is for you. It's a place where we can put on our realist but idealist hats, think about all the great things that exist within teaching, and also celebrate those moments where we just need to... Take stock and think about our own well being. It's really important for us to acknowledge those moments where we don't feel as motivated and also look out for those opportunities to get motivated again. And that's what we're here for. Every single episode, I'll be talking to some really passionate teachers and finding out what it is that makes them tick in the classroom. And hopefully, by the end of the episode, we should be able to come up with a little tidbit a little way of getting you back into the classroom tomorrow really excited about what we do because let's be honest we did some fantastic work and we get real pleasure out of the stuff that we do so this week i want to introduce my best friend sean he is one of the reasons that i got into teaching And over the next couple of episodes, you'll hear more about why I decided to get into teaching. But me and Sean have known each other since we were teenagers. And he has this effervescent energy about him that's infectious. Anyone that gets around him, they can't help but smile. During our conversation, we spoke about organisation. We spoke about pastoral work. We spoke about... Being in a team and how communication really helps, and I really hope that this conversation is inspiring to you. There are so many podcasts out there, but I really hope that this one is something of value to you. So, if it is, I'd really love it if you would go to Twitter, half turn podcast, share a like, retweet this episode to your friends, to your colleagues, because I really hope that there is something in there for everybody. So, with that being said, sit back, relax, put down the marking. down that lesson plan and enjoy this conversation with my friend Sean Clark. So we are here on our very first episode of When's Half Term and I couldn't be happier to have um, this person um, say yes to this interview. Um, He's my best friend what can I say about this, boy? We met um, when we were 19. 19, yeah. And we shared so many things in common that for us to not be friends would have been uh, an injustice, to be honest. So I'd like to introduce to you all Sean Clark, who is a head of music at a secondary school in West London and also a budding artist so sean <laughs> welcome to when's half term thank you thank you craig <laughs> my pleasure <laughs> listen um so here's how things work i'm always going to aim to ask this question which is what is the first thing you do when you are on your school holiday oh that's a tricky one i would say the first
1: thing is Sleep. (laughs) Obviously, (laughs) the most basic of answers is you just, well, actually, probably before you sleep, there's always a, it's the end of term, let's go and have a beverage. (laughs) Uh, And we normally say at the library, (laughs) which all staff know that means the pub. Um, But after that's happened, it's normally just a sleep turn all the alarms off turn all the alarms off and just sleep and then you just wake up when you wake up normally your body clock just wakes you up at six in the morning anyway (laughs) which is very annoying but yeah that good sleep and then even after one day you feel like oh I needed that I can go back to school just just that one night of good sleep where you know even though you're not going back to school Mm -hmm. you've got a week, maybe two weeks off. In my case, at the moment, i got two and a half weeks Mm. off. That extra three days is
0: (laughs) so so sweet. (laughs) Oh,
1: yes. So sweet. Do Um, you find
0: that that sleep becomes extra longer as a consequence of your visit to the library? I'm using inverted air commas. Yes,
1: (laughs) definitely, yes. And then you wake up in the morning thinking, why do I feel so rough? And you're like, oh, yeah. I
0: know. I remember. It was the 17th gin and tonic.
1: (laughs) Yeah." For for me, it would have been that sweet, sweet, sweet cider, which uh, obviously will make you feel rough in the morning. Mm. But I do it every time.
0: You're in the transition period because you've you've moved from one school to another school um, over the course of the um the pandemic. So yeah. have you found that that routine's been able to be maintained in the sense of you know you're you're now making new friends, new colleagues. Have you been able to visit the library? I guess you haven't technically been able to visit the library, but have you managed to kind of maintain that social setting?
1: It's it's been a really weird year, as it's been for everyone, obviously. Mm -hmm. Luckily, nobody close to me has passed away. Mm -hmm. But in my little bubble of how I thought I would have left my old school and how I thought I would have started at the new school, it's just been... A really unusual transition,
0: yeah
1: my last school i was <laughs> I was head of year ten and eleven and second in department for music.
0: we need to talk about that in the moment, but yeah we were,
1: <laughs> but i had i'd been there for eight years yeah i'd been planning my leaving speech, and it was just I was leaving at Easter, which was an unusual time to leave anyway. Cool. The opportunity to start this new school was just too good to wait until September. And it was, I was so excited about leaving. And then it was like, everybody's leaving school, school's (laughs) shut down. I was like, oh, okay. So that was kind of taken away from me, the whole leaving do, leaving speech and a big party, all of that was all taken away. But again, for good reason. Mm. And then when I started at my new school, I was just, it was again, after the Easter break. I was literally just in school with the 10 key worker students who were in and maybe made friends with one or two other students who were on, uh, teachers, sorry, who were on my, um, staffing rotation. And I more or less didn't see anybody else apart from these two, three staff and these 10 students for a whole term. Yeah. And it wasn't until September where I then started to make friends with the other staff. Um, we were in school from September to December. And then from January to February, end of February, we again were remote learning at home. So that's been every time you get used to a routine, it's then changed. So it's been it's been an unusual year, an exciting year, but an unusual year.
0: What new skills have you learned from um, this year?
1: At my last school. There were three of us in the department and we all knew what our roles were because we'd all been there for so long. So if it was like, oh, something needs to be done with year seven, I knew, okay, well, key stage Three, Seven, Eight, and Nine, this person would be looking after it. Oh, it was a GCSE thing. This person would look after it. At this school, it's a new school. There's only year seven, eight, nine and ten. And... I remember in the interview when I got it, it's a director of music. And I felt so sweet with this title. title. Yeah. And I was like, OK, so who's in the department? Who who will I be managing? Who will be leading? And I'm Like, oh, it's just you. And I was like, oh, oh, OK. So I'm just directing myself. So that's been a learning curve where I'm not necessarily managing anybody on a day to day basis. I've got all the peripatetic teachers, the instrumental teachers who yeah. I need to communicate things with. Um, all of those lessons are via zoom. So that's been interesting. Um, setting up different laptops and different practice rooms. The students go to the practice rooms and they have their instrumental lessons via these laptops. Um, so that's been a nice learning curve, but it's the managing of things where it's like, okay, it's department time. Now we need to discuss this thing. Uh, I'm discussing it with myself. myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so who should do that? Um, Sean, I think you should do that. And what about this thing over here? Yeah, Sean, you should all also... <laughs> it's, been, it's been exciting. It's been a, definitely a enjoyable year.
0: Yeah. I also feel your pain because I'm in exactly the same boat where in my setting, you know, I am the only ICT teacher and, you know, ICT is considered a core subject. So I am literally managing myself and myself alone there's no other heads that you can delegate to in a sense how are you finding that workload coming from a place where you did have say for instance two or three other members of staff that you could pull on to to help you out it's it's
1: not been too bad
0: but mainly because
1: i used to run myself ragged i used to work all hours Mm. i don't have children i don't have anybody who's dependent on me so much i've got a partner but we are very independent. We get on with things ourselves. Um, so I used to work all hours. I'd sit down in front of the TV and just work till 11 o'clock every night. And going from being a head of year where things that you're dealing with are really important. Mm-hmm. The pastoral life, I can't emphasize how important the heads of years are and the SLT when it comes to looking after the child outside of the subjects. And that's something which I I feel I thrived in. I really enjoyed it, getting to know more than what's happening in music Um, and maybe putting in some interventions or support for the child so that they can do well in all of their subjects. And then so going from that level of intensity with quite a lot of children, I think I um, I was head of year 10 and 11, so I think it was about 400... And 20 students that I I knew quite a lot of what was going on in their home lives um to then just being director of music in probably a school about half the size less than half the size actually it's and you're then not really knowing what else is going on in the students lives so it's been interesting Hmm. keep saying interesting it's been it's been Does it feel like a bit of a hard
0: stop in a car? You've kind of like broke sharply and now you're kind of taking in the surroundings. That's it.
1: Taking stock and looking at music more Mm. and just looking at the curriculum, looking at how that can be beneficial to students. So my, my new focus is how can I make it enjoyable for the students, but also that they are learning. I didn't want it to be a DOS lesson. I didn't want it to be oh, well, we can mess around in music. I still wanted them to learn all of the fundamentals of music and that anybody, even if they weren't having instrumental lessons outside of the classroom, if they wanted to take GCSE music, by the time they got to the end of year nine, they could say, yes, I'm able to take GCSE music. So that's my new focus in giving maybe students who haven't had that opportunity the chance to take GCSE music.
0: That's really interesting because I guess in, in the the general sense of things, music, performing arts, design technology, because they end up being on this almost like rotation, they almost get pushed to the, the back in terms of what's considered an academic subject. Mm. So what is it that you've been doing over this last two terms to make it feel to, to your young people that music is, An important subject that they should engage with. Just making the students
1: aware of the opportunities that there are. (laughs) So look forward, what's happening? Where do you want to be in five years time, 10 years time, 15 years time? And if lockdowns taught us anything, I don't think many people are just sitting at home adding up random numbers because they enjoy it. But what people are doing is they're looking at what hobbies they have. They might be, oh, I've got a guitar in the corner. Let me play that guitar. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've always wanted to learn a language. Let me pick up that book that I've had sitting in the corner for years and see what I can do with it. So there are those other elements of life which actually bring you joy. Yeah. They might not be seen, is another (laughs) air quote, as uh, those academic subjects. But actually, when it comes to situations like this pandemic where you are just at home, what do you find enjoyment in? And music is one of those key subjects where actually if you've learned that skill, whether it's the trumpet, the flute, the guitar, the saxophone, that's a skill that you can have throughout your whole life. And that can also bring joy to other people. Apart from all of that, music and the entertainment business is one of the biggest industries in the UK. It brings in so much money and there are so many jobs out there. And that's something that's not really promoted or publicized much. But music is everywhere. If you're watching TV, whatever the show is, whatever the advert's on, there'll be music in the background. Mm. You're walking into a shop, there'll be music playing. You're in a lift there'll be music playing. So there's there's always a job that put that music there. Yeah. Whether it's oh well you don't get paid to be a performer, of course you do. There's always a role, there's always a career, a lifestyle in there. But there's so many jobs that we don't even know exist. We need to think okay, well we need to do some research, we need to make some contacts and that's what I've been trying to instill in my students that there are roles out there we need to research investigate yeah um and by the time that they're looking for jobs there'll be new careers and if the pandemic again has taught us anything we can adapt we will find ways around things um and yeah, in the future, even five years time, there'll be careers that haven't even been invented as yet.
0: It makes sense. I mean, even from kind of like a, you know, and I'll, I'll always kind of try and frame it from my subject to kind of give a little bit more context. But I always say to my students, especially when it comes to lessons, when we are looking uh, careers that the majority of careers that are out there now will either a not exist by the time you get to um you know your your kind of job market days or b there will be a whole new batch of jobs out there that you will be entering into because of the way that we are changing in terms of technology i think it's so good that you kind of use you know the the, the wider industry as a framework as opposed to say for instance music as we remember it which was looking at the rudimentary kind of elements of it or looking at Classical music or looking at say for instance different um instruments from around the world you know i, I still remember my music lessons of, of, of playing with a glockenspiel and not being able to play it but like the glockenspiel <laughs> is probably the most basic sub um instrument that you can play <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. um i want to change the tact a little bit okay. and i want to talk about how you got into teaching because like I said at the start we have very similar kind of backgrounds and I feel like if this was an episode of Black Mirror we would be that episode of Black Mirror because it is literally kind of like a symmetrical kind of life and upbringing even though I was born in Wolverhampton you were born in northwest London so so tell me about that journey into teaching what made you decide to become a teacher
1: (laughs) it's such a funny story well it's not funny at all but it's uh it feels like it's always been predestined. And I remember being that student at school who would tell everybody to shush <laughs> when people <laughs> were talking. And you obviously forget that that was you. You're like, come on, guys, Miss wants us to be quiet. Um, while also trying to be the cool student. Mm-hmm. And I remember my um I had two goals in life. It was to be a waiter at Pizza Hut. And it was to be a teacher. And <laughs>
0: and you achieved both of them.
1: <laughs> and I've achieved both of them. I'm a happy man. Um, yeah, I, yeah, literally the Pizza Hut dream was accomplished by the time I was 16, mm-hmm. which was great. And I loved it. I was there for quite a few years. Before that, I was playing the trumpet and the steel pans and the piano since I was eight years old. And I did gcse music i did my a levels in music i went to university um and when i was planning what course to do at university i just didn't want to do just straight music i felt like i didn't want to pigeon my hole as pigeonhole myself sorry as the music student mm-hmm. so i i did a course at buck's new university called music industry management with marketing i remember my my um God brother. Um, He was doing marketing and he was telling us how much he loved it. And I knew nothing of what marketing was about. So I decided to add marketing to my degree um, just because he loved it so much. And um, it was interesting learning about the music industry. But what I learned from that course and also after that course and in every other job that I've ever done is that I I didn't want to work within a record label mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily want to manage a band so when I left when I finished university I kind of just wanted to take a break from music so I worked in a loan company I realized that that wasn't for me I worked in a recruitment company I realized that wasn't for me I did um like promotions, I loved that, but it, I didn't find it like a career. But in each job that I did, I always found myself ending up training other people. Yeah, it was always, Oh, who's going to train this person? Oh, Sean will train them. Oh, so I then became the trainer at Pizza Hut. I applied to be a trainer to train the new stuff at the finance company at the promotions. I was training the new stuff, so it was always.
0: Giving someone else your knowledge, basically.
1: I always just was teaching. Yeah. (laughs) I was always teaching without even thinking, oh, this is what teachers do. Um, I worked on a cruise ship playing steel pans around the Caribbean. I did that twice for five months each time. That was amazing. And when I got back, I was speaking to my old music teacher from when I was at high school. And she said, why don't you be a teacher? And I spoke to a few of my friends and they said, yeah, you always said you wanted to be a teacher. Uh And for some reason... It all clicked. I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I want to be a teacher." Um, I ended up doing a graduate teacher program, a GTP, which was a one year course. I don't think they do it anymore, but it I was... guess they call it
0: Schools Direct. No, schools no, not Schools Direct. Well, Teach First. Sorry. Yeah, but it's still,
1: still it's still it's still slightly different to what the GTP was, yeah. and I loved it. I I was a teaching assistant for a few months before that before it started. And I was also teaching steel pans in schools as well. Um, And I used to teach some adult steel pan classes as well. So just all of these teaching, I was teaching, I was teaching, I was always teaching. Why don't you become a teacher? And throughout the GTP, I just loved it. I think I thrived within that. Mm. And then eight years later, here I am. um, And it feels like this is what I've always been it's I should have been doing be. this. I should have been doing this. This is my my dream. And I think I'm quite happy exactly where I'm at right now, yeah. just teaching music.
0: But do you find it interesting? Because I know that I, I, I look at, um, you know, young teachers that come straight out of university, straight into school, mm. you know, and I think to myself, what are you doing? You've had no life. Go out and get, <laughs> you know, go out and, and see, not necessarily see the world a little bit, but, you know, go and have some time in Mm. an industry outside of education do you feel like that time you know out of the classroom whether it be at the front of the class or as kind of like a a member of the of the class um do you think that time out of that environment helped and kind of developed you a little bit more and prepared you maybe
1: it, it definitely did but i think those those members of staff who go straight from university and do a education degree and then go straight into teaching I think they will probably end up progressing really far in their course in such a, a, a shorter period of time so I when did I start teaching I was think it was 27 mm-hmm. so I had six years where I could have been in the teaching industry and my career might have progressed even further than it has at this point by now. Um, So for career progression, yeah, if you know that you want to be a teacher and you're sure, yeah, definitely go straight into it. For me, though, having those industry knowledge in all those different industries as well, when it comes to teaching music as well, I've got that background where I can speak to the students about performing. I can speak to the students about the music industry. So that actual experience does have weight when you're teaching and
0: it gives you a little bit more appreciation for your subject area as well Mm. I know especially because you know in the similar kind of vein I spent a fair few years working in different jobs in different capacities around computing and the same, I was able to kind of draw on those experiences and it kind of, mm. you know, in terms of being able to, to give your, your, your class some real world applications mm. as opposed to the kind of theory that you, you study in university and what you kind of pick up as you go along. I think it's a valuable, valuable asset. Mm. Um, okay. So eight years, let's go, let's talk about the pastoral years for you. So, you know, at the height of it, you were head of year 10, year 11, 420 students. I think I remember us kind of having this conversation at one point and you kind of said, I've just been given year 11. And I went, what? But you already have a year group. How is, <laughs> How is this happening? Talk to me about that, that kind of period of time of trying to, you know, look after the kind of inclusion side of 420 young people. If I didn't
1: have the support system that my last school had put in place, it it would have been awful, definitely. But luckily, I felt like my line manager supported me. I had um, some pastoral assistants who also supported me. And the form shooters across year 10 and 11 were all excellent. So previously, where I was just head of one year there were always issues with form tutors where you were, you had to battle with them to get them to do what you're asking them to do. Mm-hmm. Luckily, when it was that head of year 10 and 11, everything just seemed to run quite smoothly, which then meant that even though my workload had doubled, I could therefore delegate more to form tutors, delegate to my pastoral assistant, um and just really just get on with the job Hmm. um so it wasn't too daunting but yeah it was a lot and at that point I I I thrived on just working and working hard and so it it didn't feel like a a major drama Hmm. but again going now to to being a uh, director of music it's a different type of life I'm not checking my emails every two minutes (laughs) I used to get 80 emails every day that I need to respond to now I'm I'm shocked if I get 20 and most of them are just
0: notifications from Google. So, <laughs> Even so, then you yeah. kind of find yourself sending out emails like, does anybody need anything? Kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I that mean, is yeah. literally my life. Like anybody need help? Anybody want me to come and cover a lesson for them? Like, literally, I'm, I'm yeah. But see, here's so, yeah. the
0: interesting thing with you, because I, if, if, if there's one kind of anecdote, and I'm, I'm sure you probably don't mind me kind of like putting this out there to the world, but I always look forward to the kind of like the Sean Clark, Holiday text message where, <laughs> <laughs> where you kind of, you know, you send out a, you know, a, a, a group WhatsApp yeah. to everybody where you kind of list off your dates that you're available and you get everybody to kind of book in what you want. That's right. So do you, do, I've always kind of been slightly envious of that, that organization that you have that kind of forward thinking. Do you find that that's that part of your personality? Is the element that kind of helps you within um, school in terms of, say, for instance, managing workload. For instance, yeah.
1: do you know when your parents have just instilled in you be organised, mm-hmm. be efficient, mm. and you don't even realise it until you're at work and your appraisal's always like very organised, <laughs> very efficient, and I didn't even realise I just thought everybody was like this. Yeah, <laughs> and turns out no, it's just me. Um, So back to the first question, what do I do as soon as it's half term or Easter? I (laughs) sleep and then I organize my calendar because I don't want to waste that break and then be back at school. So I, like you say, I go through all of my days. I make sure I leave some spare downtime so I'm not run ragged. But yeah, I just organize every day and I try and see my parents, my best friends, um and just make sure that i'm checking in with them because sometimes you have such a full-on half term Mm. that you don't get to check in with people you don't get to find out what's going on in their lives until six weeks later so i I always try and touch base with everybody even if it is just that whatsapp text um but hopefully i'd get to see as many people as possible Mm. um what else did you ask? You I was
0: saying just in terms of say, for instance, you know how how you kind of how that translates into your say, for instance, everyday school life in terms of your organisation.
1: Yeah, my um, my cousin once asked me, "What should I do to relax?" And I know that what she meant was, "Should I have a spa day or um, something fun and enjoyable?" And what I said was write a list of all the things that you need to do. And even if you haven't done them, once you've got it on a list, then you know that it's on that list and you can look at the list tomorrow. (laughs) And then that's literally what I do. I write my to-do list and then I can relax because I know that it's written down. Everything's written down. Even today, I was like, okay, I'm going to do my exercises. I'm going to tidy the house and then I'm going to speak to Craig. (laughs) And I had my list. (laughs) I had my list. I knew work for your list Mm. and get it done. And that just organises all of your thoughts in your mind. Totally. Um, so yeah, that's what I do at school.
0: I feel like um, it's a massive tip for teachers because I know that when I, I I kind of do it inconsistently, I know that it kind of. Works say for instance the first three weeks of a of a of a of a half term i'll have all my lists kind of written out and i kind of get a lot of pleasure from scratching a task off the list and i think as the kind of term progresses and it gets a little bit more manic and especially now in the place that i'm at where there are so many challenges that you have to deal with i'm like okay the list can wait and Mm. i find you know that's when the kind of chaos happens so it is definitely a top tip in terms of writing lists but then a list. here's a question for you how do you go about prior prioritizing your task list
1: there's no magic solution and again it just depends on what's due when mm-hmm. and the Again, you assume (laughs) that everybody (laughs) can work out. Well, if things, this, if this is due tomorrow, you need to do that first. Or if that thing, which is due next week, but it's actually going to take you two weeks to do, (laughs) you need to do that now. (laughs) So yeah, just looking at how long things take to do, to complete and when things are due, how much effort and energy you need to put into it. But again, going back to those mini wins, if you've got all of these giant tasks and they're daunting, do the the mini wins gives you a little bit of confidence makes you think yes i can i can get through these tasks so maybe sometimes hit up those mini wins um and then progress onto the the bigger tasks did any of that
0: that kind of um translate into your pastoral teams was it something that you would share your lists or your kind of work method of working with that kind of be communicated to, say, for instance, your pastoral um, assistants or your form tutors? Did they start to kind of follow the same suit?
1: I wouldn't say they did. But one thing, especially when I was first started being a, a head of year, any time we had briefings, I would write the agenda out on a tiny little bit of paper for everybody to take away with them. So they, if they had to read something to their form or if they had to, to do any tasks during that week, they just had it on that piece of paper. So it wasn't that they had to make notes in the meeting or they had to go back to an email that was written out a week before or something like that. They just had this piece of paper and it said, yes, I've read that to my class and now we need to do this and this.
0: So you basically made a list for them.
1: I made lists for them. (laughs) Here you go. This is the agenda. I'll speak about it in a little bit more detail in the meeting, but here you go. And it was on the desk as they came into my classroom for the meeting. Um, Whether they used it or not, they always got through all the tasks. So right, yeah, I, I think it was beneficial.
0: I think you had an impact there, definitely. <laughs> nice little leadership task there, leadership tip there. Make, make lists for your team and let them kind of take it on subliminally. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to change direction a second. I want to ask you to tell me about a time in school, any, any sort of scenario, any sort of situation where you've kind of thought to yourself, when is half term? How many days have I got left?
1: I think most teachers genuinely <laughs> think that as soon as they get <laughs> back into school. So as soon as you ter- like turn up day one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how many weeks? <laughs> how, many, how many days?
0: How many I, sleeps is that? <laughs> how long do I have to deal with this? <laughs> but Has there ever been, say for instance, like a classroom situation or say for instance, interaction with another member of staff where you thought to yourself, I just need to get out of here now. I can't think of one specific thing
1: but there definitely has been Mm -hmm. there's definitely has been a few instances where it might just be that personalities clash or it might be that priorities clash I remember again when I was head of year some of the head of departments who were form tutors didn't see the things I was asking them to do as important because they had their departments to run. Mm. And that was what was most important to them. And sometimes it was literally just like, oh gosh, well, five more meetings, and then I won't have to deal with this. Or I can't think of one specific thing. Mm. I'll have to think about it. Um, but, but again, that's... also, just when you're planning your lessons, you have to plan them for that Term. So, if you know a term is or a half term is six weeks or eight weeks, yeah. you say, okay, well, if I got one lesson a week, that's six lessons. So, therefore, there's going to be an assessment on maybe the last two lessons. So, therefore, I'm going to give them the information on the first two lessons, and then they're going to practice it, and I'm going to add more information on. So, you're 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 constantly thinking week to week, mm. so that your lessons can be planned across that scheme of work or scheme of learning. So you are always thinking, well, how many weeks do I have? Uh-oh, something happened. It was parents' evening or it was a bank holiday. So that one class is out of line. Yeah. So I then need to, how many more weeks do I have before it's half term? But when you get to that last two weeks, you're literally just dragging yourself across the line. <laughs>
0: it's just running on vapors.
1: Yeah, the energy levels are super low. Um, and there are always those students who test you and it's you doing your best to stay professional and calm and collected i haven't had too many interactions with parents since being head of music but when i was head of year again the parents sometimes test you and uh yeah form tutors might test you or even slt we love like, again, I push myself as hard as I possibly can, but then when SLT give you more things to do, you're just like, oh gosh, I've already <laughs> stretched myself. Why did I push myself so hard when I knew they were going to give me more things to do? But yeah, no, I can't think of one specific scenario. Mm. I'm sure there's been many, many, but not not one Specific at the moment.
0: I want to go back to something that you just said there in terms of, say, for instance, having heads of departments as form tutors. And I Ooh. know I've always kind of thought what it would be like if me and you worked in the same school together. But now that you've kind of mentioned that scenario, I think that would probably be the one thing that we would actually fall out on. Because I know that at certain points in my last, um, place, as kind of like head of department and head of faculty, but also a form tutor. I wouldn't necessarily say I was the worst form tutor. I was more that form tutor where everything that you'd want would get done. (laughs) It probably wouldn't get done when you wanted it to, but it would get done really well. (laughs) So I know that I, that would be the one thing that I'd probably annoy you about most. definitely.
1: Knowing you, I'm sure you wouldn't, and I, even though you're saying that I'm sure it probably would get done by the deadline, it was, I guess it's things like when the students are a year, in year 11, mm-hmm. and we've got leavers events, and we've got exams, and so many deadlines in year 11, that if the information isn't passed on, it's detrimental to the student. Of course. So it just needs to be whatever the task is just needs to be done. Yeah. Can you please just do it? And then I found myself running around after students just to make sure that they had all the information that they needed, especially when the deadlines were really short. Yeah. Um and you just kind of feel like but guys, this is for the kids here. It's not because I want you to do it or SLT wants you to do it. It's because It's going to be beneficial to the kids. They need to know this. And I know that you would Hmm. do all of the things you'd you'd be able to do it. So it's not a problem. I know we would never fall out of that. But um, (laughs) it is tricky, especially where you've got huge departments. So at my last school, we had eight forms in each year group. English and maths had eight to 12 teachers. And um, science, again, you've got your three sciences and they all had their separate um heads of each yeah and the head of science was a form tutor and again he's lucky he can delegate to all of his heads of each of the sciences mm. but it, it's a tricky one because they're already
0: run ragged yeah. <laughs> overwhelmed yeah.
1: they've got their own leadership of their departments that they need to do um but then the school needs form tutors mm. and they can't just hire random people to come in for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a balancing act, it's a ju- juggling act. Um, it works most of the time. It's just when those crunch points happen where you've got deadlines and exams and maybe people off sick for whatever reason mm-hmm. and that's where you just all need to support each other. Yeah, um, And I think if you want to be a teacher you have to be a certain type of person you have to be a team player Mm. you have to want to do it for the students so therefore you probably not everyone I've ever met but you probably will help where needed yeah and that's why we end up working all hours every evening and working during our breaks and working during the summer so that we are ready for the next term and yeah I think generally gen yeah generally most
0: teachers are team players yeah what's the one thing that you wish you knew um about teaching before you started teaching um, Do you
1: know when eight years feels like oh, it was the other day, but also that I can't remember when I wasn't a teacher it's i I can't even think. Oh, what didn't I know back then? I guess um, being a teaching assistant really helped. So that's one thing I would suggest to people who are thinking about becoming a teacher yeah. is to be a teaching assistant, even if it's for half a term or mm. half a year. You get an insight into what it's like in schools, what it's like in the classroom, the type of incidents you might encounter Um, so that really helped.
0: Yeah. And also I think it gives you definitely a massive appreciation for the teaching assistants that are in your class. Yeah, I feel like yeah. if there's one thing that I think all teachers could learn to do a bit better is how to utilize the TA. If they're lucky, lucky enough to to have a TA in their classroom, mm-hmm. how to utilize them, how to you know involve them in their in in your in your planning and how they actually support not just say for instance the the SEND students, but the whole class as a yeah
1: definitely a whole.
0: yeah yeah. I wanted to, because we're getting close to the end of our conversation, okay. but I feel like over the last 40 minutes, I have discovered, rediscovered, um, Sean Clark, the organisation <laughs> king. So, if I asked you to give um, the listeners out there your top tip, just in terms of organising yourself and your work-life balance what would that tip
1: be? I think you've already said it. Organize yourself. (laughs) Have a work-life balance. Make time for people. Mm -hmm. Make time for yourself. Believe that if somebody's upset you, it wasn't their intention. Mm -hmm. That's not just a teaching tip. That's a life tip somebody's upset you and you believe that they're a good friend or a good colleague probably wasn't intentional yeah talk it out say how you're feeling say it from a place of love but always have the mindset that i'm sure they didn't mean to upset me on purpose yeah um People get upset. I upset people all the time, but it would never be my intention. I
0: cannot. You people. do not upset people. You do <laughs> not upset. It's not. It's not. It's not even possible. Not with the smile and the the laugh that you've got. It's it's, it's almost impossible. One last thing, and I, just in terms of the kind of taking care of yourself, because one of the things that I've noticed over the years is your kind of the way that you you um, find time for yourself and oh. to explore different passions and um, talents of yours and one that's kind of um, come out over the last few years or so is your artwork because you're an artist yeah so I want you to tell me a little bit more about um, Sean the artist so
1: for my painting and my art I go under Anthony Clark's my middle name Um, so the students can't find me. Mm. Um, so that's another tip for you. Make sure any social media which is open has a different name. Yeah. Or have your social media private. Top tip. Um, so yeah, me and my partner, we have got very different tastes in nearly everything. And we had, we got our mortgage together five and a half years ago got a lovely house i'm really happy with it and when we'd finished decorating we decided to start looking at art and we just again have very different tastes so <laughs> yeah it was a huge conflict I've um the debates and then at the the in the end i said you know what i could I could i could do that so we just started painting we had paint parties we asked people to come over and we bought paint we bought paper and we were just Got paint on paper, and from that, I just started looking at what I enjoyed and painting different things and then over the years, I've developed my skills and I've now had two art exhibitions mm. and um sold quite a few pieces, mainly to friends and family i have i have one of your pieces
0: <laughs> I, am, I love your pieces I'd just like to point out yeah,
1: but it's um it's again when even bringing all of that back to school at school I loved art I didn't feel I was good at it so when it came to choosing my options I didn't choose art. I chose music and especially again in schools where the option blocks are quite restrictive you are then closing yourself off to all of these skills I remember I always wanted to do drama but I chose music um didn't choose art and now looking back at I think ah oh, I wish I'd taken up art a lot sooner even if I didn't pick it for GCSE I wish I'd picked it up again a lot sooner or just continued it outside of school um so it's again instilling that in the students that just because you're narrowing your subject options doesn't mean that you need to narrow that outside of school um so,
0: yeah. yeah so if um the listeners out there want to have a look at your art. Where should they be going?
1: Oh, I'm on Instagram. It's Anthony with a H, Clark with an E, AAP, which is Amateur Art and Photography. Uh, That's on Instagram. So, Instagram.com forward slash Anthony Clark AAP. Um, I've also got a Redbubble under the same name and I've also got a Facebook under the same name as well.
0: And I will be linking all of those in the show notes. So, with that, I want to say... Best friend, Shawnee, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on Wend's Half Term. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. You've brought back some
1: wonderful teaching memories, so that's lovely. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. If you haven't figured it out already, our key takeaway from Sean has to be Write yourself a list. I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said, for every minute spent organising, an hour is earned. And for us teachers, that couldn't be any more true. We are time poor, and as teachers, any tool that we can adopt to help make that day go easier should be considered a weapon in our arsenal. That's it for this episode of When's Half Term. I want to thank my special guest, Sean Clark, for joining me. If you like what you heard, then please go to our Twitter page, leave a comment and retweet the episode, or leave a review wherever you tuned into this episode. Once again, my name is Craig, and I really look forward to you joining me again on the next episode of When's Half Term.